0: Welcome to the Divine Feminine Revolution Podcast, where women are magical and empowered. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Munday, psychologist turned transformational feminine business coach. This podcast is for you if you want to prioritize your own pleasure, face your fears, and manifest your desires. This podcast is sponsored by the Fearless Feminine Academy, where I teach women how to turn their trauma into their superpowers. My goal is to show women that we can heal our world by creating time and financial freedom by doing whatever the fuck we want. Are you ready for the divine feminine revolution? Let's get vulnerable and go deep. I'm so honored that you're here.
1: Hey, hello and welcome to another episode of the Divine Feminine Revolution. I'm so excited to have you all here listening. I've got one of my favorite people with me, one of the Fearless Feminine Leader graduates, and I feel like your story is so inspiring. Like You've inspired me um you really embody the fearless feminine motto because you have been a trailblazer in all of these historical historically patriarchal things like minister or politician and so i can't wait to dig in with you and share your stories cuz now your latest iteration is the story maven Um, so I just like, can't wait to get into this conversation. So I'm going to let you do a little brag intro. So just whatever you feel called to say, like, and don't play small, just share the goods with us.
2: Yeah. Um, okay. Well, thanks for having me here for doing the divine feminine revolution and inviting me into that. And also helping me understand that that could very well be a part of what I am doing and have been doing after all divine is where I started as a United Methodist pastor, Um, and what I absolutely loved about being a pastor was taking the scriptures and inviting people into the story. Um, Part of, of what I would do during sermon times also was I wrote some monologues, and I delivered some of them, and other people delivered some of them, and one of them was like the prodigal son's mother and another one was mary um mary uh, Jesus's mother as a teenager who's been you know kind of bucking the system a little bit about you know what you think it takes a man to have a baby? you know you said you believe anything is possible with God. And it was great because there were some visitors that day who were staunch Catholics and they were a little shocked at this portrayal of Mary. But you know what? Shock is what the gospel is all about, right? Somebody died and, and came alive again. Um, so. pigs and locusts. (laughs) Oh my gosh, don't even, because we just had our 17 year, you know, plague. Um, wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) i don't want any i think in 2020 we had them all except water turning into blood Mm -hmm. i'm not even kidding back on track so i got frustrated with the administration of the united methodist church and by administration i mean the larger mechanism that keeps the church going and I say that I did not lose my faith in Christ. I lost my faith in the church. Yeah. Um, we are now, <laughs> we are now Episcopalian, and I I really feel more welcome in that congregation or in that denomination, particularly since the Methodist Church is such in such turmoil uh, right now. Um, yes, I did have a stint in corporate America, which was illuminating, and I didn't I didn't hate it. Um, I burned myself out, the things that I just, okay, you said brag, absolutely excelled at, were um, training, doing training, introducing the product that my product team created. When I, one of my proudest moments is a training that I delivered to the entire sales force, and this included CEOs, CFOs, all those people, I had a guest visitor from the medical community talk about how she would use this product. I had, um, I also did teach backs where I had, um, the salespeople learn an aspect of the product and then teach each other because you know what they say something about you learn, I don't even know, 10% of what you see, 20% of what you hear, blah, blah, blah. And at least 50% of what you teach. So having them do teach backs, I, that was the thing I loved about that job. Um, I've also been in sales, didn't hate it, didn't love it. Um, and then, yeah, most recently trying to save the world, not so much through the church, but through politics and whatever, man. Well, you like a challenge church. And- I evidently do. Um, versions, um to save the world. Yeah. A couple of, yeah. You know, you gotta, gotta work all the angles, I guess.
1: Yeah. I love that about you. You're, you've got such a like warrior spirit. I love that.
2: (laughs) Yes. Warriors do get tired, but that's okay. That's the other thing about, you know, the divine feminine was self care. And I was like, what do what, (laughs) but that, you know, became, becomes, has become a really big part of what I need to do to come, to keep going. Well, let me ask you this. Um, one of the themes
1: actually has been that a lot of these like revolutionary divine feminine, um, leaders that I've interviewed on the podcast actually have left corporate because even though they were successful, even though they were making great money, they weren't happy. And so it's sort of like the eat, pray love where they kind of like divorce their life and go on this wild adventure. And, um, so you left corporate and then you decided to run for office. So I mean, just to give everybody a little bit of background, um, you know, can you frame what it was like to run as a woman in a
2: conservative area? Like fill us in on all those details. Well, interestingly, yes. And I'll do a callback to my first professional step in my career as a lady pastor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the area here is quite conservative and conservative Christian. And I say Christian in quotes because there's a lot of versions of Christianity. um, And the very literalist ones say things like, you know, a woman shouldn't uh, like teach Sunday school to men is um, how it gets included. And we ran across that in some of our canvassing and our door knocking and, you know, a woman is not supposed to be a leader over a man and that sort of thing. Ooh. And I'm like, you know, to you hear about Phoebe ever? Check her. <laughs> She's called a deaconess by Paul. Um, that is the Bible friend. And I'm not, I might like, know better than you since I have been to divinity school. So, but yeah, I don't know when a woman in the minority party here has, has run. I don't know that one has in the district that I am in. I am in a slightly more progressive district, um, but I still lost by fifty percentage points <laughs> both times. So, like you said, I do like a challenge. Um, you used use the word trailblazer, and that's eerie because several people have told me that that's what I am, or like used it in a written format to describe me and I don't really think of myself as that way but then when I do I remember times when I have literally gone off the trail while hiking and that didn't go well so don't ever do it um um well you know I'm thinking back a lot of times like,
1: do the people in your life think you were crazy when you were like the first trailblazer to become, you know, a woman minister or to like run for politics? I know I'm thinking back to a conversation we had when I was selling you into the Fearless Feminine Coaching Program. And I was like, listen, you are this trailblazer. You are this leader. What if you didn't have the constraints of the church and politics to limit what you can say? And you could just, fully embody your own amazingness and not have to like try to reform the system that I'm just gonna say is broken um, in the sense that, you know, it was patriarchal in its conception. And I know bureaucracy has ruined a couple of jobs for me. And that's why I was like, I don't want anyone to control me. I'm going into entrepreneurship. So like i love seeing you at this point where i mean witnessing you run for office like it really was service like you really did serve our community and it was such a brave powerful thing to do and like because it's a uh, republican like you know the odds of winning for anybody <laughs> was not good and i remember you telling me like i know i'm in a losing battle and yet you showed up in total fearless feminine like power and passion and activism and and you killed it. I mean, just watching you run was incredible. So, I know behind the scenes it was not easy. So, I'm just kind of curious, did people think you were crazy when you went for these trailblazing things and then what was it like really
2: going on that journey? Well, with the church, people did think I was crazy and some people thought I was wrong. You know, again, with the you know, women shouldn't go into ministry. Women shouldn't be ministers. My, my parents weren't super supportive. Um, and I understand that my father's, my grandfather was a local pastor and my dad saw that how that wore him out. So more, more kind of concern or, or like, don't do that about the ministry. And after all, the ministry is the only place now that people will say out loud, a woman shouldn't do this, not the military, the ministry, try to think of another place, not medical, not, you know, and how quickly that has changed for my mom. She felt like it was nursing or teaching yep. my mom says. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yeah. So with the, <laughs> with the political, it was, more like, oh, thank God, somebody's going to do this. <laughs> You're very brave. I actually had somebody thank me for my service, and I'm like, whoa, I didn't fight in the military. No, no, no. But, um, but it was so sweet. But it was very, very sweet. And you know, mostly it was just people. Um, oh my goodness. And we, especially the first year in 2018, um, it was like spreading the good news. <laughs> And then I, I really, you're not supposed to talk about religion and politics, right, and here we are. Um, but you'd go knock on a door and say, I'm running for office as a Democrat. They'd be like, oh, "What? Well, I thought I was the a Democrat in Buck County. I was like, actually there's a few of us and we're coming out of the closet. And that's really what it felt like. Honest to goodness, it it felt like coming out of the closet. And in 2020, when we ran, it was different from a, from a, since it was a presidential year, it was much uglier. And okay. I got called names and trolled by some of our county commissioners on my Facebook page. So shout out to, I won't say his name.
1: Patriarchy in auction. And, you know, I think sometimes like brave is the new, like, bless your heart. <laughs> At least here in the South, it's like you're so brave to be doing this thing that, like, you know, really, like in a perfect world, you know, we would be encouraging all our women to take leadership roles because, like, hello,
2: who holds this world together? Women. Yep. But, but it was like, you know, like ministry, it was the public speaking and the inviting people into the process and inspiring people that I think is just crucially important because was it Thoreau or Emerson somebody said that people live lives of quiet desperation and some of that's loneliness and if you feel like a democrat in an area this red you are lonely um and so I don't I don't know I think that we are so powerful already. We just don't know how to let it go, how to let it out. And I tell businesses when I do consulting with them, I say, the chances are that you already have what you need. Mm. You need to figure out how to let it out. And, you know, frankly, sometimes that's too scary. Um,
1: I totally hear that, and even in my uh, psychology private practice, I feel like I let my freak flag fly more and more recently, especially with my coaching endeavors. But for me, sort of this like open-minded, non-judgmental, not Christian, um, spiritual, LGBT-friendly, like that was my vibe. Like my holistic people found me, and like anytime I would get a prospective client on the phone, they would be like. Are you open-minded? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's like my best quality. And so, <laughs> you know, in the coaching world, sometimes we call it like fully expressed. Um, and but I love that like image of like coming out of the closet because here you are, like really being the voice for so many people that have been silenced both in the ministry and in politics, and now in the coaching world. So I just love to see you in action because it's like, and tell me. Mm-hmm. Does the, you know, being trolled or does the conservatism, like, does it get you down? Like, how did you keep going despite, you know, some pretty
2: insurmountable obstacles? Um, the trolling, you know, uh, the campaign team, we always said, it's like, okay, that's when you know they're scared.
1: Oh, and that you're powerful.
2: Yeah. And, um, and I think so much, there is so much fear of all the things you mentioned, women, LGBT, change at all is, is fearful. And so then we had to go through this whole coronavirus thing, which just forced change. And some people pushed back and wouldn't change and wouldn't wear their masks and wouldn't, um, wouldn't uh, get vaccinated. And we're still, you know, racing toward the bottom in terms of our um, vaccination rate and our infection rates with the Delta variant and whatnot. So how did I keep going is a great team. I had a really, really wonderful team both years who were so encouraging and all those people saying I was brave. (laughs) Um, You know, you do get a lot of strength from that, but also just being engaged with people, mm-hmm. um, and it was way, way harder um, during the coronavirus because it was mostly Facebook Lives, mm-hmm. and we did them. I feel like we did them all the time. I would do them on you know my phone a lot, both both times I ran, but also, um, but even just being engaged with you right now um, is what I thrive on. And so, you know, get me in front of a group of people, let me work a room, you know, anything like that. Again, engaging with people, pulling them out. You know, I, I get, I get a little worried sometimes when I feel like, gosh, is this all about me? But then I realize that what I really like is learning more about people and where, you know, what their concerns are. And and I have a friend who's a, a teacher and she became part of the campaign team. And she said, I really wanted to work with you and work on your campaign because I felt like you were the first person who really listened to me.
1: Mm. That's pitiful. <laughs> belonging and connection are like superpowers and so many people, especially post COVID, um, Are so like lonely and just feel estranged. So like to connect with someone deeply, it is a superpower for sure.
2: Yeah, well, it's I I really (laughs) I suffered personally during COVID. I mean, honestly, as an extrovert, (laughs) one of my campaign team members um said like early on in like stay at home period and whatnot um i was texting her and calling her and finally her husband called me back and was like are you okay and i was like you know i'm not sure i am because i'm an extrovert and i'm stuck at home and his and and his wife is then on the phone too and she said we knew you'd be the first to break (laughs) (laughs) and that's when you know that you are truly loved when someone knows you that well and still loves you <laughs> yeah, totally, totally we knew you'd be the first to break i mean it sounded so dire and i was i wasn't quite dire at that point but uh, but yeah there's still a lot of loneliness out there i mean and that's partly why i'm moving i'm you know i'm not running again moving into this um story maven project which you can find on Facebook at Susan the Story Maven. Um, Like the page, follow it, share a story because I truly believe that we're only going to cross these partisan divides and these religious divides by sharing our stories with each other. And I don't mean our political stories, I mean our personal stories, like the stories that formed us and i you know part of my coaching right now is like tell you know help working on an ebook that will help people like think about three formative stories in their lives and then analyze those stories and look for themes you know these these memories that are so huge in your life tell it like a story tell you know tell yourself your story everything look at those three stories and then you know look for the themes and, and I've done this, and my husband's done this, and I invite, I'm inviting businesses to do this because businesses have a story. And so, you know, like one of my themes is I'm not going to let anybody push me around. Mm-hmm. I posted a story about, um, uh, my mom didn't love this, but um, when I was eight, she gave me a pocketbook for my birthday. Okay, I'm the kid who was climbing the trees and falling in the creek and playing outside all the time hanging upside down with the dress on that sort of stuff doing cartwheels my dad said i was on my i would my feet in the air more than i had them on the ground um and so a pocketbook at eight was like um and she told me i was gonna be a young lady now and i remember like hiding behind my dad's armchair kind of curled up with that pocketbook going Well, I guess my life of fun is over. It's all starchy dresses and itchy tights and patent leather shoes. (laughs) From here on out. And then I kind of pushed back on that. So didn't carry an actual pocketbook till eighth grade rather than at eight. Um, How did I get there? Yeah, No, learning about myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't like to be pushed around. Have a a story from when I was a pastor. and I don't know how much time we have, so I don't have time time to share that. But go for it. Um, okay, so I was, you know, their first lady pastor. I was the youngest pastor they ever had. Wow, two strikes against you. Um, but people started coming um, because I did a massive <laughs> PR campaign when I got there. Called the newspaper. Um, got a front, uh, not a front page on the front article on the religion page um and uh went door knocking again prefacing my political campaign but up and down our street saying hi to people inviting them to church ran into a crack house um and this lady started bringing her her kids to sunday school and church mainly because we served snacks at sunday school Mm -hmm. and we realized the kids were hungry so we kind of amped up what the snacks were But these kids were, they hadn't bathed, we all got lice. (laughs) Um, And this this is ministry, man, in my opinion. But I had a woman who'd been in that church a long, long, long time. And she said something. We were talking about repainting the hallway of the children's area, the Sunday school and the nursery and all of that. And we were going to kind of brighten up the yellow and she said something about well that'll just make those dirty handprints stand out even more talking about the children from the crack house you know and i was like really okay so we did paint it brighter yellow and then that next sunday um i had some co-conspirators with me but we had red paint green paint and blue paint and Everybody from like baby handprint down low on the wall to oldest kid green handprint up on the wall. So that all down the hallway, it was decorated like flowers, but with kid handprints. And that was, you know, I don't like to be pushed around, but I probably could have handled that a little more gently. (laughs) So these are the things I know about myself now from looking at that.
1: Well, I think one thing that's great about you, Susan, is that you really are, like, a champion of the underdog, and I think part of that is that tenacious, like, not wanting to be pushed around, and so, like, when you landed in the fearless Feminine Academy, like, both as a minister and as a politician, like, talk about some people-pleasing, you know, obviously you're trying to enlighten and revolutionize and all that stuff, but, like, you know, you're sort of... um, subject to your audience, let's say, but like as a coach, as a revolutionary, as like a real fearless feminine leader, like we don't want to water it down with vanilla content, right? We want to be revolutionaries. And when we're trailblazers, like, of course we're going to sound crazy and different and radical because hello, we're like bringing in the new paradigm. So what was it like for you to switch from these very, like, I would say high control environments into like the wild wild west of coaching and being able to do whatever you want
2: I'm not there yet with the story maven Facebook page I have done a number of posts I've gotten some stories back from other people I promise guys I will figure out the guest posting thing I haven't figured it out yet it took me three hours to figure out my G how to set up a new Gmail account yesterday. Oh my gosh. I know. I mean, hello. We just had the
1: feedback at the beginning of this episode. So I think tech is one of those things that as women we're taught, like, like math, like we're not good at it. Right. And so, I think one of my sort of like best, worst qualities is just doing it messy. Because if I didn't do it messy, like nothing
2: would get done. So So the first iteration, talk about messy. The first iteration of my Gmail account, I had Story Maven. I had this all going on and I was emailing myself and I couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. I had spelled Maven with two V's. So it's like, no, and I had to go do it again, you know, and all of this. So anyway, yes, but like, so I'm not there on the story Maven page. I have posted a few stories myself, like, you know, I've written some, and then I've also done, um, a live, uh, several. And I asked my husband the other day, I said, you know, is this just a vanity exercise? You know, so that thing about putting myself out there, you know, it's this pressure again to stay small, and if you're being loud and whatnot, you're just a troublemaker. <laughs> well, and you're just all by yourself.
1: Yeah, and I think that like fear of narcissism, or you know, I feel like for women, we simultaneously feel not enough and too much, which is like, how can you even be both of those things at the same time? But that is the double bind that the well, people use. you said I was too much. And I feel inside that I am never enough. Exactly. And so I think just like you've been a fearless feminine leader all along through your, you know, being a woman minister, running for office as a woman, um, you know, like projects evolve. And I know for me, like I just did the podcast masterclass and I was talking about like having a psychic reading six years before, and they said, you're going to have this great podcast. And I was like, I don't, I don't even know what a podcast is. Really? Six years ago? Conference like a year before I even filmed my first episode. So, like, you know, sometimes these creative projects take <laughs> time to manifest, but it doesn't mean that you don't fully embody that. And I think you've had this like revolutionary thing, and it started like in school when they're like, okay, now you can write about whatever you want. Like, and then we get like writer's block because we don't have to perform in a certain way according to the structure. Um, but like, you're living it, you know? And so I, you know, you've led women's groups, you've built yep. with business, like you've done so many things over the years and you've been in the spotlight. And I think I struggle with the vanity thing too, because there's part of me that loves it. And then there's part of me that's like very shy and I don't like want it to be the Megan show, but like, hello, it is the Megan show. I'm a personal brand, you know, my past is my show, you know? So like, I can't, play small in that way. Um, doesn't mean I don't want to, like I do, you know, it's hard for me to listen to these episodes sometimes, you know, I try to like do it to like take my own medicine (laughs) and hear the brilliant stuff people have to say again, but you know, it is hard to be in the spotlight. So like, what has that been like for you in the
2: past or as you're moving forward? So in the past, I mean, in maybe fourth grade, anyway, I wrote a play about littering and my teacher let me go around to all of the other classes and do my play. And I dragged my then best friend who was incredibly shy because I needed another person. So yeah, out there always.
1: Like you really told it like it is, even when it was like, maybe not, not like a mainstream opinion. Like, and so I think going to battle like that, like, I just have so much regard for you willing to take the heat to stand up for what you believe big time.
2: Well, I guess I have practice <laughs> <laughs> well, practice, right? <laughs> even, I mean, again, the experience of being the first lady pastor at that church. Um, you know, and I had to be, I had to be, I had to have that spirit of not being pushed around or I wouldn't have survived at all. Um, but there are still things that scare me. And you know, again, I realized that I want, you know, I get scared about the vanity project and, but I really, what I want to do is reach out and involve other people. And, you know, I'm inviting them to tell a story by telling them a story. Um, So I hope that's where that's going. And again, crossing these divides is, is what I really hope for, because I think we have to understand ourselves, our strengths and our weaknesses, Uh, especially maybe our weaknesses to be able to reach across and invite other people to tell their stories.
1: I love that so much because I think one of the methods of control besides fear has really been like dividing people. And, you know, Mm -hmm. for me as someone who has grown up, you know, sort of liberally oriented on most things, you know, to be, like, really open-minded, which I feel like is one of my superpowers, like, you really have to be, like, all the way open-minded, even with people who are holding the exact opposite (laughs) belief. Yeah. You're causing harm, you know, and so, like, how can you kind of hold that and not water down your own message? I mean, I guess what I kind of want to ask you, it's such a loaded question, but, like, you know, if there were like little girls listening, which honestly is probably explicit, maybe not, you know, maybe there's some little kids on the background, but um, would you tell a young woman to become a minister or to run for office? Like, is that something you would recommend? Absolutely. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was going to be the answer. <laughs> sure.
2: Not necessarily in the Methodist church and not if she's gay, not around here. Okay. But run for office. Oh yeah, please. Honestly, this time I will be your campaign manager for free. I will raise money for you. I will help you in any possible way. Right now I am scouting for somebody to run in this district because I, I don't think I can do it again. I have been entertaining that possibility and then the whole self care thing comes in and says, Hey, <laughs> so, but absolutely, with women. Uh, yes, absolutely. We need it desperately.
1: So for like women who maybe they're in corporate, maybe they're, you know, in a more conservative or patriarchal setting, like what kind of self-care advice would you have given that you, you know, lived through a couple iterations of this?
2: Friendships with other women. Spraying mm-hmm. by other women. Um, I didn't have that. And honestly it got better when I started working remotely. Because the corporation that I was with, uh, there was a place here in Knoxville when I, where I went into the office, which was a racist. The office was such a racist, and I mean, I I reported um, sexual harassment. Not many people know that. <laughs> High family. Um, I mean, it was it was awful. But then it was taken over by another company, and I had a remote manager who was female, and then uh, you know the, I was out of St. Louis or or I was in Knoxville, but it was St. Louis, it was uh, New York, it was Philadelphia. And honestly, that's where I got more um, good female role models, female mentoring and um, female friends who, who got it. So look for those women's, you know, a lot of bigger corporations have women's mentoring women's groups and look for the groups. I mean, chronic, chronic pain, chronic illness, um, those sorts of things too. Some of the bigger companies, they have, you know, intranet groups, uh, range. look at Reddit for heaven's sake. I don't know what Reddit looks like. You may find some terrible things on there, but you can find some super supportive groups there if you know how to operate Reddit. But yeah, find it, find it anywhere. And and look for it, you know, get on Facebook, get on email and say, hey, I need some friends. There was a woman in the divine divine feminine revolution who talked about how to make friends online. I need to reconnect with her some on behalf of some of my other women friends. Anyway, I talked a little too much. You're perfect.
1: Like, I think the connection piece is what's healing. Like, you know, with my background in therapy or like what we do, like inspirational, like mentoring and coaching, like community is it. And I think that's why they're trying to divide us because they know (laughs) that if we really get together and we like listen to each other and we cooperate and we all work together and we have equality and safety and inclusion and expression, that like we're unstoppable, you know? And so I just like, so hats off to you around being visible, you know, in, in coaching, that's like a big term that we throw around. Um, because you know, when we don't have that role model to see that we can do it, it's hard for us to even like know what the path is. And I think from, Being in the coaching community, you know, there's so many examples of so many incredible successful women, but I think there's still this like piece where maybe I'll just say for myself, like if I get triggered by a post, you know, what I'm feeling is disconnection or that I can't have it. And so I have to take this extra step instead of being in that 3D kind of competition, sort of scarcity mindset. I have to be like, you know what? If this incredible woman can do it, I'm an incredible woman and I can do it. And let me ask her, how the heck does she do it? You know, but so often I think one of the biggest divisive things is that women tear each other apart and it's not like, I was going to, I was going to say it. Yeah. The patriarchy that sets that up, you know, because when we rise together, that's it. That's the divine feminine revolution. You know, my version of it. We all have a version of it. And I think, you know, it, I think it's, it's intense enough to be in a platform like this where you can kind of say and do anything and just show up like that. But to do it in these sort of more like old school environments, you know, you have a lot of that like criticism or different things coming at you. And so I just feel like you really are that like visibility trailblazer that, you know, like my daughter can see a woman running for office in her community like snaps to you, Susan on that one for real like
2: um, I love her way i mean she's she's ready to go,
1: yeah, she sold uh cookie Girl
2: Scout cookies at one of your events, and she definitely worked that room so she <laughs> I, and kick off that girl knows how to work a room. I think she might have had on wings, so that also helps, but um. Girl Scout uniform with wings. Maybe I'm remembering that wrong. Maybe I just saw wings. I don't know, but sparkly wings, but yeah, no. And it, that was one of the things with the campaign interns. We had two female interns and they rocked the house. They got to know, I mean, there was a lot of stuff. There's a lot of platforms you have to manage. There's a lot of technology that goes into laying out how you do canvassing. They learned it all. And by the end, they were teaching the grownups. Yeah. And ah, that was one of the most rewarding things, especially that first time around. Cause second time around, we didn't get to do any door knocking much and that sort of thing. But I'm so proud of them still. And they are rocking it all over the place now in their second year of college. And like, I mean, they're going to be walking around with baseball bats, I think, up there at the university, so.
1: Yeah, and back at you, because, I mean, I'm so impressed with just, like, having the guts to go for it, you know, especially um, just in the climate, and, like, with COVID and all the obstacles that you had to face during your campaign. Um, so, I guess my question kind of along these same lines is, you know, if you could wave a magic wand, and I'm feeling like you might have a list here, but if you could just, <laughs> change things about our society. <laughs> what would be a few of your top uh things that you think would just like help this paradigm shift that we're all in where we get to, you know, uh have feminine leadership?
2: Well, one of the things is going to sound really strange and I'm blanking actually on the oh universal basic income. hmm Andrew Yang, that was his big thing, that platform that he ran on. And it's like, people do not understand what that means. Um, It it is a little bit of a stipend from somewhere, maybe millionaires, billionaires paying their taxes, I don't know, um, that helps people cover basic needs. And we don't do, honestly, a great job of that. And then people get, boy, people get mad about, you know, unemployment and whatnot. But if they were also getting a little check that would give them a cushion so that they're not also living paycheck to paycheck, maybe that would be okay. And having an actual, you know, thing that you can budget off of gives everybody more freedom to keep track of their finances. And once you get that stuff under control, you feel like you have a steady platform. And so many women don't. Um, maybe they're, well, we're still not paid as much as men for doing the same jobs. And um, we're still um, considered less for some jobs, even though that is not how white men feel.
1: Yeah. You know? maternity leave or like health insurance or like some of the wages, you know, and then you get the single mom working like the four jobs and can barely support herself, you know. So yes, I feel like um, particularly equal wages, but also, you know, I was talking about this with some of my um, fellow business owners that are in mental health and we were talking about like you know getting COVID money payroll protection stuff like that and we were like wow what a gift that was like what if they actually like funded mental health <laughs> like that you know like where we actually got money for like serving our communities like wouldn't that be amazing wouldn't that be revolutionary can we take
2: like a little bit out of the like war budget and like invest in yeah. health please yeah And maybe put a little more effort rather than money into the war budget, you know, like actual diplomacy instead of just pissing the world off. Yes. Yeah. Yeah,
1: totally. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that really stands out to me about this interview is just like the power of connection. And I mean, I know this because as a therapist, like, you know, that's what heals people, you know, for sure. And I think obviously in coaching and in revolutions, like, you know, we got to get people on board and I think there's so many distractions and, it's just yeah. like the stress tolerance issue. Like, it's really hard to look at some of these like really intense issues and not feel like, oh my god, I'm powerless. Like, what can I do? So, like, for the people that do feel powerless, like, what's one easy step maybe people could take towards working for the good?
2: One easy step
1: is one easy step. <laughs> I love
2: that. It is that is making you feel powerless. If it's COVID and the whole frighteningness about the Delta variant, um, put your mask back on just for one trip to the grocery store. And if it pisses you off, that's okay. Uh, Maybe, you know, maybe you're vaccinated and you're doing it at that point to protect other people, not just yourself, because if you're vaccinated, you know, you are probably not going to get even the Delta variant, but you know, so, or, or if it is the fact that our governor and state legislature passed permitless carry of guns, which makes me want to go protest at a gun show with pictures of all those dead kids at Columbine or wherever, not a good idea. I had to promise my husband not to do it. But a small step is call your state legislator. Just call say, hi, I don't think you're doing a very good job on this gun issue. We had a child murdered by his father in this community two years ago, you know, and I'll give you the script. Um, Our state has not enacted red flag laws, which means, you know, if you are a risk to somebody else or yourself, the police can come get your guns for a limited period of time, and then they give them back. Mm-hmm. so just, just one step, you know, if you are afraid to go to the grocery store, set up that, you know, that grocery. St- get a friend to help you learn <laughs> how to set up the grocery delivery app. Mm-hmm. I suck at that. Oh my gosh. I'm like getting a
1: little choked up here, partly because, um, that, you know, murder, suicide that happened was actually a, a teacher at my daughter's school. And so thank God, it's not, anything like a school shooting, but um yeah. really rocked our community, especially because it's a small community. And um, hearing bits and pieces from the people that were involved in those people's lives, it was uh, related to a divorce. It was related to addiction. And like, to me, like, hello, those are mental health issues. And the person who was the perpetrator, he was also a teacher and he was someone I'm guessing who was really struggling. And so again, you know, mental health, like, we need yeah. it, we need it funded, like, it really, a lot of the trauma and violence and, like, sort of, like, sort of, like, the worst of the worst, like, tragedies, um, you know, certainly it can be, like, a gun issue for sure, but it's also, like, hello, we need to destigmatize mental health and get people access and not feel like, mm-hmm. oh, there's something wrong with me if I go, like, have to get a counselor.
2: <laughs> well, and there are some jobs that if you do go get a counselor, or- you're or your flag
1: Continue. yeah oh yeah. yeah 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 and so that's that's all the byproduct of mental health stigma which I just got on my own soapbox <laughs> but you can tell I'm passionate about it and you know that was such a tragedy for our community and I feel like that totally could have been avoided by you know that person getting some treatment
2: so yeah and you know somebody's saying hey you know I think that this it's, dangerous situation and the police being able to take that guy's gun away before he shot his kid. Exactly. But instead we went the other direction and we said you don't even have to have a permit. So I know, I'm sorry. I know. It
1: it is and I think that's what's so hard for me when I look at like some of the stuff is so systemic and a lot of the systems here are like really broken and it's not really like in the best interest of the people. It's like about like profiteering basically. And so I think, you know, for me it's it's kind of nice to be able to have my own platform to create this podcast to like spread the word um, because going the traditional routes, like as you know, you're I think case in point of this, and like it can be incredibly frustrating and limiting because you're dealing with a broken system. And so I love that you said one small step is one small step. Um, We're running short on time. So I definitely want people to be able to find you um, because you have a lot of gifts and you have just been so powerful in the way that you've shown up. And even the things you've talked about here today on the podcast have been, you know, controversial. And I just love how uh, powerful you are in your voice. You know, I really look up to that for you and it's been so amazing just to be a support for you on your journey and giving you
2: permission to like rebel rouse even more <laughs> so same so yeah you can find me again facebook the story maven and i do have a gmail account which is susan story at gmail.com
1: Yes. And, you know, the power of story, that's one of the most ancient ways that we have been able to learn, that we've been able to connect, that we've created community and change. So I love that you're going back to your roots there um, to be able to tell the stories of the people and connect people on issues that matter. So thank you so much, Susan. We'll definitely have you back around because I know we could talk for hours about I know, maybe. Uh, yep topics The hour goes so fast on the podcast um but we'll definitely have you back and you know again thank you for your service and thank you for sharing your story with
2: well Megan thank you for permission and the divine feminine revolution to you know to show up yeah
1: yeah it's important that we do right because it's kind of like that old book like if you don't control your life someone else will (laughs) like I think you know us women are getting um sick of other people controlling our lives in a negative way. And so it's time for, you know, change of the guards, let's say. Let's do it. (laughs) All right, Susan, we'll see you next time. And thanks, everybody. Appreciate the audience of Divine Feminine listeners bringing in your why we do this. And so thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. And thank you for being a part of such a powerful movement. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Want to keep the conversation flowing? Find us on Facebook at the Divine Feminine Revolution Facebook group, where revolutionary women gather to listen to their hearts, monetize their gifts, and change the world.